0: Heavenly Father, we do thank you so much for your great love for us, and we thank you for the blessing it is to have your word. Lord, you would not have been able to give us your word, you would not have been able to speak to us if Jesus Christ had not come and died. We would be cut off forever from your presence. But Lord, in your mercy, you have sent your Son, Jesus Christ, and through him You are able to speak to us. And so when we read these words from Isaiah, we hear your voice. We hear Jesus' voice. We hear the Holy Spirit's voice. Lord, we pray that you may help us to understand as we listen to your voice this morning. May you help us to become more like your Son, Jesus Christ, as we go through your word here this morning. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, a couple of months ago, we, of course, moved up to Kennedy House up the road and we have the blessing of this new house, but we also have the blessing of a, a backyard there and with that comes the blessing of a great gum tree. It's not actually in our yard, it's in the neighbour's yard, but it is one of those huge gum trees and it's right next to our, their fence, so it towers over our backyard. And one of the blessings of this gum tree is that it drops sticks, very regularly into our backyard. Now I don't consider that a blessing, but one member of our household does, and that's my son Joshua. He's 18 months now, and he loves picking up sticks and taking them around the yard, waving them, and making noises with them. Uh, I'm trying to get him into the process of thinking it's a game to collect the sticks, put them in a bucket, and then I make it even big game that I put it into the auto bin. I, I open up the gardening bin and put it in, and so. He thinks it's a game. I see it as getting him to work for me from a very young age. But he does it somewhat, but usually puts them all into the bucket and then upends the bucket and uh, tips them all back out. Branches can bring happiness to some people, and particularly to my son Joshua. He believes branches are a good thing. And we've been looking at the passage, uh, from Isaiah for a a couple of weeks now. We've been, come back to Isaiah. And today we see some promises from God. God gives some promises to Israel. And one of them is that they will have a branch. The blessing of a branch. He promises them a branch. And so that's my first main point this morning. God promises a branch. Now, if you've got a bulletin there, you'll be able to see my four main points there this morning, and you can follow along if you like. But my first main point this morning is God promises a branch. Now, why is a branch so good? You may think branches are hindrance, just like I consider those branches from the gum tree a pain. They get caught in the mower, spat out and hurt me. I don't like them. Why does God promise a branch? Does he actually promise a branch? Yes, he does. Verse 2, and he gives us a reason why this branch is such a good thing. Verse 2, In that day the branch of the Lord will be beautiful and glorious. God gives the people a branch. And the reason that's so good is because it is beautiful and glorious. Now, why would a branch be glorious? What is this branch? Why is it so beautiful? Why is it so glorious? Well, as commentators have several suggestions as to what the branch of the Lord is, some people think that it's just Israel and a new shoot coming from Israel. The last three chapters of Isaiah have pretty much been slamming Israel for being so disobedient, so bad, and that they will be punished. And so then you start to think, oh, well, Israel will be obliterated. There will be no more Israel. But here we have a promise that a branch will come. And so some commentators believe that It's branch in the sense of new life. Coming from the stump of Israel, there is new life coming out. But many commentators do believe that when it says branch there, that it is a proper noun for the Messiah. So that's why in verse 2 of your NIV translations it says, in that day the branch, and it has an uppercase B there, capital B, branch of the Lord, The NIV is encouraging the interpretation that this is speaking about the Messiah, the one who would come and save his people. And this has a long tradition of thought. The Jews early on believed that this was talking about the Messiah. And then we see the branch of the Lord, Messianic text, talking about the Christ. Uh, also calling him branch as well. They have another chapter in Isaiah that calls uh, the Messiah the branch. Zechariah and Jeremiah speak about the Messiah as a branch as well. So I think we can take this text here as speaking about the Messiah. And that makes sense. The Messiah, when he comes, will be beautiful and glorious because the Messiah is the one who will come and save God's people. And so he is the glorious one. But is it only the branch that brings glory? Well, it says in verse 2, In that day the branch of the Lord will be beautiful and glorious, and the fruit of the land will be the pride and glory of the survivors in Israel. Is the fruit of the land there in verse 2 meant to bring glory as well? What is this fruit? Is it a rival to the branch? Well, some commentators do think that when it says fruit of the land there, it's showing the life and the prosperity of Israel that will come. And that might be the case, but I do think if it says the fruit of the land and that is meant to be the wealth of Israel and the prosperity of Israel, then that conflicts with what we had in chapter 3 last week about the prosperity of Israel being their pride and God condemning that. And But here it says the fruit of the land will be the pride and glory of the survivors. We're not supposed to take pride in our wealth and our prosperity We're meant to take pride in God. And so many commentators do think that this is a parallel to the Messiah. When it says fruit of the land there, it's talking about the fruit from the Messiah. The things that he produces are the fruit from him. And so some commentators say that this would even be an example where the Messiah is both divine and human. How do they get that? Well, it says, in that day, the branch of the Lord, so he is from God, so he's divine, will be beautiful and glorious. And the fruit of the land, being the Messiah as well, it's of the land. So he's from the earth as well. Now, I think that's pushing it a bit too far. But I do think we can take this text to be all about the Messiah, that the branch of the Lord is beautiful and glorious and one we can take pride and glory in because he produces fruit. But how could these people receive this branch that is glorious, that they can take pride in? Aren't they too bad to be given this wonderful promise from God? We've seen them condemned again and again for all their sinful actions. How can God suddenly promise them a branch? Is that all he promises them? No, he doesn't just promise them a branch. What else does he promise them in this text? He promises them cleansing. And that's my second main point this morning. God promises a branch, but God also promises cleansing. And we see that in verse 3. Those who are left in Zion, who remain in Jerusalem, will be called holy. They're not holy now, but they will be called holy. All who are recorded among the living in Jerusalem. The Lord will wash away the filth of the women of Zion. He will cleanse the bloodstains from Jerusalem by a spirit of judgment And a spirit of fire. There is a cleansing promised by God that will make the people holy. Their filth will be taken away. What makes them dirty, their sins, will be washed away. And they will have their bloodstains removed as well. What does bloodstain mean there? Well, it means our guilt upon us of shedding innocent blood. Every time we sin against someone where we are angry with them, We're murdering them. We may not be murdering them with a knife or a gun, but we're murdering them when we hate someone, when we're angry with someone, and we're guilty of their blood. We have bloodstains on us. The people of Israel had bloodstains on them that needed to be washed away, needed to be removed. And how is it removed? He will cleanse the bloodstains from Jerusalem by a spirit of judgment and a spirit of fire. That's how it's removed by a spirit of judgment and a spirit of fire. What's this spirit of judgment and spirit of fire? Well, some commentators think that it's the Holy Spirit. So they put uppercase S for spirit there. And if you notice the NIV margin, you can drop down uh, to the letter A of verse 4 and it says, or the spirit, uppercase S. But they've preferred to go with lowercase s there. And I think that's probably right because the word for spirit in the Old Testament Hebrew can also be translated breath or wind. So when you see the word wind in your Bibles, they've made a judgment that that's not translated as spirit, but translated as wind. And so I think probably what is being said here is that a wind of judgment, a scorching wind of fire will cleanse the people of their bloodstains that God will come with judgment and it comes like the wind and it comes in as a scorching fire and burns away the filth of the people so he promises branch he promises cleansing what else does he promise he promises protection that's my third main point this morning God promises protection God doesn't send his Messiah to the people and cleanse them of their sins and then just let them go and get into trouble again. No, he protects them after that. And we see that in verse 5 and 6. Then the Lord will create over all of Mount Zion and over those who assemble there a cloud of smoke by day and a glow of flaming fire by night. Over all the glory will be a canopy. It will be a shelter and shade from the heat of the day and a refuge and hiding place from the storm and rain. God protects his people after he cleanses them. He looks after these people of Israel, gives them the Messiah, gives them the cleansing, and then he starts to protect them. And he protects them in the same way, looking after them, the same sort of tradition as he did with the Israelites when they came from Exodus. What was the Exodus all about? It was the Israelites enslaved in Egypt and God brought them out and he didn't bring them out and say, okay guys, I brought you away from the Egyptians, it's up to you now. No, he looks after them. He divides the Red Sea so they can get through and then he guides them with a pillar of cloud and by day and a pillar of fire by night so that they're protected by God day and night. All the time God's protection is there for his people. And he also protects them from all problems. What does it say there? There's a canopy over them, it says at the end of verse 5. Over all the glory will be a canopy, and it will be a shelter and shade from the heat of the day and a refuge and hiding place from the storm and the rain. He protects them day and night, and he protects them from all problems. Heat and rain, the two big problems of life. Now, you might not consider heat a problem. You might think it's lovely when it's lovely and warm. But too much heat is quite painful. You know, nice warm shower, it's nice and warm, but as you bump up the heat a little bit more, a little bit more, it's it hotter and hotter and hotter. And I see how much I can tolerate, but eventually it gets too hot and it's painful. And I need protection or I need to turn the hot water down or turn it off altogether. Heat is a problem. But then the opposite is a problem as well. The rain. So in the land you need heat, you need the, the sunshine there to make the crops grow, But you also need rain. But too much rain is also a problem, isn't it? We're seeing that at the moment in New South Wales. Too much rain is causing all kinds of problems with people's crops. You can have a problem of too much heat and have drought, or you can have a problem of too much rain and have floods. God knows this, and he protects his people from the heat of day and a refuge and hiding place from the storm and rain. So God promises three things in this passage. A branch, cleansing and protection. When does this happen? When are these promises fulfilled? When's all this going to take place? Well, my fourth main point this morning is that God's promises are fulfilled in that day. That's what we're given in verse two. It says, "The beginning, in that day, the branch of the Lord will be beautiful and glorious." And then proceeds on from there. It's in that day. Is that fairly clear? Then, that day. What day? There's no calendar event there. He hasn't told us in 2012 at five o'clock on you know, the 14th of January. It will be that day and it will all happen then. The branch will come, the cleansing will occur and your protection will start. When is that day? Well, it has to be a day when the branch comes, doesn't it? When is that day? When did the branch come? When did the Messiah come? When did Christ come? He came in Jesus Christ. So of course that day is the Christian era where the branch comes. And so that day is now. We are part of the Christian era. Since Jesus has come, that day has begun. We are in that day now. The Messiah, this branch, is glorified. It says there that he's beautiful and glorious, and Jesus is beautiful and glorious. We see his glory. Where do we see his glory? We see the glory in his life, as he lives a sinless life, as he lives a life of kindness and compassion to people. And then we see his glory at the cross, where he lovingly goes there to bear the sins of others. Then we see his glory at his resurrection. We see the power of God raising this man from the dead. And we see his glory as he ascends up into heaven and sits at the right hand of God. And then we see his glory as he sits there. We see in Revelation Jesus Christ appear to John in all his glory there. And he tries to use human language to describe what he sees in Jesus Christ. Jesus, the branch, is beautiful and glorious today. In that day, the Christian era right now. And his fruit, the fruit of the land, is the pride and glory today. Every time someone becomes a Christian, that is his fruit And it is glorious. And the angels even get excited in heaven every time his fruit is shown as someone is converted. And his fruit is shown every time a Christian says no to unrighteousness and yes to righteousness. Every time you refuse to sin and give in to temptation, his fruit is shown as his power works in you. And it is your pride and glory as Jesus works through you and produces that fruit. That day is now. The Messiah is glorified. What about the cleansing? Is that happening in this day? Yes. Your filth is washed away. Your bloodstains are removed by a spirit of judgment and a spirit of fire. How? Spirit of judgment, spirit of fire? If you are cleansed and washed, how's that happen? Will Jesus experience that spirit of judgment and that spirit of fire, of burning there at the cross for you? You are supposed to be judged and condemned and sentenced to eternal punishment in hell. But instead, Jesus at the cross takes that eternal fire for you. And you are judged to be righteous rather than unrighteous because of what Christ has done. And you are protected. That day has come and the protection is here. God protects you at all times, night and day. He is there looking after you. When you go to sleep, you can go to sleep in peace because you know he is not sleeping. He is awake and watching over you and your concerns and your worries. I remember when we first had our son, Joshua, and he was still very new. I used to get worried about, you hear all the scare stories about SIDS, sudden infant death syndrome, and I worry about him being in another room and thinking, what if he just stops breathing? And I'm not there, I'm asleep. I don't, I'm not there to take and call the ambulance to get him. And in the end, I just realised I have to leave him with the Lord. I go to sleep, God doesn't. And I hand him over to God's care for the night and trust that God will look after him and that he'll be there in the morning and he'll be alive. But if not, that God will look after him. If he is to die, then that is God's will as well. I hand him over to the Lord. The Lord looks after me night and day. And he looks after me with all my problems. Fire, heat and rain. Whatever problem comes along, God looks after you as a Christian now. You are always in his hands. He is always in control of what is happening to you. But are the promises here completely fulfilled? We've seen that they're fulfilled now, but are they completely fulfilled? Is there nothing more from this? We have the promises now and they are fulfilled. Well, no, they aren't completely fulfilled. In the Christian era, we've got to understand that all the promises of God, they are fulfilled in some ways, but there's also a not yet tension that goes on as well. There's a now that we have the promises of God, fulfilled in some ways, but there's also a not yet tension. And we can go down two paths, two, two extremes. One is an under eschatology where we're constantly focusing on the future and heaven and not thinking enough about the blessings that God gives us now. We're too much about the now and not enough about the not yet bit. Or we can have an over eschatology and think too much about now and the promises of God. God's going to give me wealth and prosperity in this life and I'm going to have no problems with floods and heat. And fire. And I can focus too much on the now and not enough on the not yet, that things are still to be completely fulfilled. And so that day is not just now, it's also a not yet, where we go to heaven and we see these promises fulfilled in a way that we haven't seen yet. We see the branch more glorious than we see him now. How do you know the branch is glorious now? Well, it's by faith and not by sight. You trust what the word says about him and the glory that he is in heaven. But when you get to heaven, you will see him in all the glory that he is. It will not be by faith and not by sight anymore. It will be by sight. And you will see him and he will be your pride and glory in a way that he is not now. You see him darkly. At the moment, then you will see him fully. And the cleansing, it continues as well. There's a cleansing aspect that hasn't happened yet. Yes, you are considered to be holy and righteous in God's eyes. But if you're honest, you admit, even as a Christian, you do the wrong thing all the time. You sin again and again and again. The cleansing is not complete. And that cleansing is still to come. It will one day be complete, where you will sin no longer. It will be impossible for you to sin in heaven. And so that promise will be completely fulfilled in that day. And then, what about the protection part? Is that completely fulfilled now? Or is it still part of that to come? Yes, part of that is still to come. You're not completely protected now. But in heaven, you will be. Nothing can touch you. In heaven, no, no evil, no power, no authority that is out for evil against you can touch you. You will be protected for eternity. That day is now, but it's also still to come. So the question is for you has that day come for you right now? Are you living in that day now? And looking forward to that day, is Jesus glorious for you now? Are you cleansed? Are you washed? Has the spirit of judgment and fire come for you in Jesus Christ? Or do you still stand there filthy and with blood-stained hands before God, without his canopy of defense over you and protection? I want to encourage you, if that is you, recognize your filthiness, your sins today. Recognize that you do so much that is wrong and that Jesus is the only one that can save you. The branch is the only one that can help you. He is the only one that can cleanse you. Notice there, it doesn't say, the Lord will wash away the filth of the women of Zion. He will cleanse the bloodstains from Jerusalem by a spirit of judgment and a spirit of fire and good works. You can't do anything to save yourself. Only God can. It's his cleansing that you need. How do you get that? You repent of your sins. You say you are sorry to God. You pray to him. And you believe that Jesus at the cross paid for your sins. Do it now if you've never done it before. Repent of your sins and trust that Jesus died for you. What about if that day has come for you, that you are living in the Christian era and you do believe that that day is today for you? I want to ask you, do you still glorify Jesus Christ? Is he your pride and glory? It's so easy to become a Christian and then start to move on with your life and think about other things and be distracted by other things. Is Jesus still the centre of your life? Is he your pride and glory or are other things in your life your pride and glory. Do you still seek Jesus' cleansing? Day after day, go to him in repentance and ask for his forgiveness for the wrong that you have done. Do you still seek his protection? When you became a Christian, yes, yes, you might have thought, yes, God is there looking after me, protecting me with his pillar of fire and his pillar of cloud and his canopy over me. But as you've gotten older, you start to rely a bit more on yourself and your ability to protect yourself. No, you've got to continue asking God for his protection and believing that it is so for you. And do you still seek that day? Do you still look forward to seeing Jesus in a way you haven't seen him before and you won't see him in this life? Do you look forward to that day when you will be cleansed fully and utterly from your sins? And do you look forward to that day where you'll be protected like you've never been protected before. Let us speak with our God now. Heavenly Father, we do thank you so much for sending your branch, your Messiah, Jesus Christ. And we thank you that we have seen his glory and it is beautiful and we are proud of it. Lord, we thank you that you cleansed us with a spirit of judgment and a spirit of burning. Lord, that Jesus took that burning for us at the cross. And Lord, we thank you that you protect us day by day, that we are immortal until you say it is time to go home. Lord, we pray that we may look forward to that eternal resting place where we will see Jesus in a glorious way that we've never seen before, where we will be sin-free, where we will be eternally protected. Lord, help us to keep our eyes fixed on heaven, enjoying the promises that we have fulfilled now, but looking forward to their complete fulfillment in the future. And Lord, we pray for anyone in this room this morning who has not been cleansed of their filthiness, who has not been cleansed of their bloodstains, May they repent of their sin today and may they trust in the branch as the only one that can clean them, the only one that can deliver them from their sin. May they do it right now and so that there is angels glorifying you and praising you, rejoicing in you in heaven as a result of their conversion and may they be eternally protected by you from this day forward. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.